You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, good friends. Great to have you with us today. Remember now, the place for a man, for a woman, completing all their powers is in the fight. And right now today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned. Stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. All right, friends. Great to, great to, great to have you with us today. Uh, we have been talking a little bit about the playlist of Jesus. Uh, these, these songs, 150, I'm right in the middle of your Bible, called the Psalms. And uh, I'm so very, you just need to know, I'm so very appreciative of these psalms. I am in them every day. I, uh, I, I am either singing or praying through 15 of them a day, which means I make it through the Psalter about three times a month. Love these songs. And significantly because of the prayer book of Jesus. Let me explain that. Before you get into the psalm that we're going to cover today, uh, when you are thinking in terms of Psalms, you got to remember sort of the context. They began being assembled while the chosen people are in exile. So they're in Babylon. Babylon eventually gets taken over to Persia. In that time, they begin getting things together. So when they land, and some of them are quite convinced that someday we're going to get back to our temple, we're going to rebuild that temple, and we're going to assume the land again. We're going to inherit the land again. And so they think, all right, but if we do that, we got to have our act together. We can't let happen to us next time what happened to us this time. So one of the things they started doing to prevent the next exile is they decided, all right, we're going to get together a song list. We're going to get together these things that we're going to go over in the second temple when we get the temple together. And so they start that while they're in exile. We don't know exactly when they finished but eventually they get these 150 songs together for Second Temple worship and really for all kinds of uh, opportunities to lift up the name of the Lord in their life in the promised land. So this becomes known as the prayer book of Jesus. So Jesus would have had these memorized. We, we think that he may well have been working through them, for instance, while he was on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's, that's Psalm 22, when he finally says, all right, I'm now to Psalm 31. He says, into your hand I commit my spirit. That's Psalm 31.5. We think he may well have been working through the Psalms while he's on the cross. And what a precious thought that is. So I'm just going to suggest you, these things are huge, these songs, and I want to make sure that my neural pathways are getting trained by these Psalms on a regular basis. So we're going to get back to this here in just a minute. I want to tell you about our brand new sponsor for this life-changing, life-changing discipleship podcast. Uh, Ethan Kelly is with Providence Capital Management. Uh, Providence Capital Management specializes in personal and institutional investment management. You can visit them by going to ProvidenceCM.com. You can learn more about it that way, or you can get in touch with Ethan at Ethan at ProvidenceCM.com. I am a big Ethan Kelly fan. I trust him, and I think you're going to like what you find at Providence Man- uh, Capital Management. So it's Ethan Kelly, 
Providence Capital Management. Again, ProvidenceCM.com or email them at Ethan at ProvidenceCM.com. Thanks for the sponsorship, Ethan. Okay, let's um let's get back here to the prayer list of Jesus. And they say that the very first one, it's like, you can imagine, if you're going to get the prayer list together, if you're going to get a song list together, if you're going to get a playlist together, one of the best things you can do is make sure that your very first one is special. And boy, did, did they ever do it right this time. They got Psalm 1 to be the gateway to the Psalms. In fact, sometimes they say both Psalm 1 and 2 are the gateways to the rest of the Psalter, to the rest of the 148 songs. So I just say, wow. Look at that and uh, just be mindful that there's a whole lot in Psalm 1 we could discuss. We're just going to go over it very briefly right now. Uh, I, I don't know if you are a fan of fruit. Oh, my goodness, I love fruit. Growing up, my mother would say, all right, Matt, what would you like to have made for your birthday dinner? You know, I, my uh, my siblings were getting steak and, uh, you know, any, any kind of favorite food. They, I'd always say, Mom, I'd like to have fruit plate. She says, fruit plate, that's all you want? And inevitably, I would say, that's what I want. So she'd go out and buy, you know, about seven or eight different kinds of fruit and chop them up and put on a plate. And I was just happy as I could be. I love fruit. In fact, I love fruit so much. I, I was up uh, in a at a speaking engagement in Michigan. And at that speaking engagement, someone said, hey, would you like to go see an apple orchard? And I knew that Michigan was kind of famous for apples. And I thought, yeah, 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 I love that. So went to this apple orchard, huge, humongous trees. I don't know what size the trees are. I think they have some dwarf trees now they, they, they like. But back then, these things were huge. I mean, it was an awesome sight. These huge, wonderful, beautiful trees with red apples in them. And uh, someone said, hey, would you like to have some cider made from those apples we just picked off? And, and I did, and I, it was like drinking an apple. It brought literally tears to my eyes. I love fruit. I love apples. Now, that's good news as I look at Psalm 1, because that is a key verse in Psalm 1, that the blessed and righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever that righteous man does prospers. And I've begun recognizing that when people talk about Scripture and Jesus and the Godhead and, and the Spirit, when they start talking about the flourishing life, surely that's what they got to mean. That the blessed man, the righteous man, is a tree planted by streams of water. It yields fruit in season, the leaf does not wither, whatever, whatever he does prospers. I want that kind of flourishing life. And I think discipleship is helping people enter into that flourishing life. We all ought to have that as an ideal. And so I think substantially, that's what book one, Psalm one, is all about, but it continues on with the, the other 149 songs, is this is what you need to keep in mind when you're thinking about the flourishing life. Now, number two is this. I think there's the lightweight life. Now, it says, not so the wicked. That's just the next verse. We start off with the verse three, now go to verse four. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. I got a friend, has a huge, a mega church in Mexico City. And Roberto says, I preached on this the other day, Matt. 
I said, well, tell me, tell me how that went. And he says, well, it went great. When I got to that chaff part, you know, not so the wicked, they're like the chaff that the wind blows away. I, I asked some farmers to bring me some wheat. And so they, they did that. And I was ready to go on Sunday. He actually has outdoor seating for like uh, eight to nine, 10,000 people. Uh, they actually had 4,000 that day. And so I took a bunch of wheat and it happened to be a windy day, which was perfect, Matt. He says, I threw up the wheat. The kernels came down, but the chaff, and everybody could see it, the chaff blew to the side as the wind blew it away. <laughs> now, that's what's called the lightweight life, the chaff life. And so I asked the people, I said, hey, what is a chaff? What is that chaff worth? And everybody said, nothing. Now, I'm in my office the other day, and it just so happens the, the, the president by the way, a former student of mine, but the president of the schools in talking with me. And I'm asking him about his conversion. And he says, I got converted reading the book of Ecclesiastes. I said, Get, no, no, not Ecclesiastes. He says, yeah, Ecclesiastes. I said, how is that even possible? I mean, one time I had a seminary professor question how Ecclesiastes even got into the Bible. They said, no, 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 no. I got saved reading that book. Uh, I just want to say, well, how? How did that happen? What's the inspiration of Ecclesiastes? He says, well, he says, uh, back in the day, I was a swimmer, and we competed. And, you know, I wasn't a superstar or anything, but I was good enough to win sometimes, and my team won sometimes. So you'd work, and you'd strive, and you'd give up. And boy, there, there's very few athletes that work harder than a swimmer. And so I just, I just, I just made my life swimming and occasionally won. And when I won, I felt so elated. But the next day, I felt utterly empty. And I knew I had to fill up that emptiness with something, and swimming wasn't going to do it. Winning wasn't going to do it. My attainment of my dreams wasn't going to do it. I had to have something else. And so what else do you want? What else? Do you need? He says, I knew I needed Jesus. Well, fascinating that this whole thing starts off just that way. Uh, Ecclesiastes, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. <clears throat> meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. Everything is meaningless. All is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Fut uh, in the NASB that I'm looking at right now, futility of futility. Everything is futile. And that is the key word. And the word, the, the, uh, the Hebrew word is hevel. Hevel. And hevel is across this book. I mean, you can just keep underlining it everywhere you go. Hevel is everywhere in this book because what happens is hevel is the word for temporary, for futility, for meaningless, for emptiness. And Matt, says, my, my presence says, that was my life. My life was heaven. My life was empty. My life was futile. My life felt very temporary. And I needed something else. I had to have something else. And so what is the else that you want? Well, for him, it was a Christ life. He was asking Jesus into his heart. And so guess what? That's what happened to his life. And my, my son came in and sat down. He saw the, the my, my son's a vice president here at the seminary. Elijah came in and says, uh, yeah, dad, I've known three or four people that came to know the Lord reading Ecclesiastes. And I thought to myself, that's the power of the testimony of scripture. When it talks about the lightweight 
life, the hevel life, the futility life, the meaningless life, the empty life, the temporary life. People know that's not the goal. It can't be the goal. What's fascinating here is in chapter two of Ecclesiastes, and we think probably Solomon or someone like Solomon wrote this. It talks about the the passion for making myself happy. He says, come now, I'll test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And so here it says in in 2, verse 4 and following. So Solomon says, I enlarged my works. I built houses. I had vineyards. I had gardens. I had parks. I had fruit trees. I had forests of growing trees. I had male and female servants. I had flocks and I had herds. I had silver and gold. I had the treasure of kings and provinces. I had male and female singers. I had all kinds of women. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. But if you get down to verse 23, or excuse me, get down to verse 17, it says four words. So I hated life. So I hated life. And that's what happens, y'all. A lightweight life tries to fill your heart with things that can't fill it. But the fruitful life, well, you filled your heart up with Jesus and find yourself planted by refreshment and find yourself yielding fruit and find that you never wither away. Whatever you do prosper and your life is not temporary, it is eternal. I think the key to all this uh, is a beautiful, beautiful passage here. Um, Verse two, this man, the blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and day and night. Listen, when I went to the University of Kansas, I uh, I worked out with a national strength coach of the year. He was a second recipient. You can never receive it again once you received it. So as far as they could tell, he was one of the leading weight coaches in America. Most of these guys come in, they work with uh, either the football or basketball teams. Uh, this guy worked with me because he decided, I want you to be my weight partner. I want you to be my workout partner. So he chose me for that. I was thrilled to be that with him. And so every morning at 5.30 a.m., and usually we'd come back for a workout in the afternoons, I worked together. I worked out with the National Strength Coach of the Year. But uh, he eventually runs up on some serious trouble in his life, leaves the school, uh, leaves another school, and uh, he was in desperation with his life. And I asked him, how did you finally find the Lord? And in a phone call to me a couple Fridays ago, he said, Matt, I simply read the Bible. I said, was there somebody that was influential in your life? He says, not really. I simply read the Bible. And that's what I love. That blessed man, his delight was in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he began meditating day and night. He delighted in the Bible. Listen, when you read the Psalms, you'll see David delighted in the Bible. You can see it in Mary's Magnificat. Boy, she's delighting in the Bible. You see Paul, for instance, has this incredible love affair with Scripture. Most of all, you can see that Jesus loves Scripture. He's delighting in the Word. So I had a small group in my house the other day, and I just said, how do you know if someone is delighting in the Word? They had all kinds of really great answers. Someone lifted their hands and says, well, you love to hear it. I said, you mean like sermons? He goes, yeah, sermons are small groups. You just love to hear the word. Somebody else raised their hand and said, well, you love to talk about it with other people. Someone said, well, you know, if you're delighting in the word, if you have regular devotions. Someone else says, well, you pray it. 
And uh, somebody else said, you meditate on it. You think about it. And now all those are really wonderful and good answers. But I felt like there was something missing. So I went around and said, okay, there's something we're leaving out. Think about it. How do you know if you delight in the word? What we'd missed was this. You finally have to do it. (laughs) You finally have to do it. It's not enough to hear it, to talk about it, to have regular devotions in it, to pray it, or to meditate on it. You finally have to do something about it. And so, friends, you're delighting the law today. If you're having regular devotions, that's the works of piety. But you also have to have works of mercy. You've got to go put it into motion. Now, there's one thing I want to point out here real quick. That word meditate is interesting. Uh, It has a couple different meanings. One is to mutter. It means you are pretty much muttering it. You're talking it out. Back in the ancient Near East and even in the Greco-Roman world, they weren't doing things quietly. They weren't reading with their lips closed. No one did. No one read with their lips closed. No one uh, did things to themselves. No one prayed quietly. Everyone was doing things out loud. So I think that's part of it. You make sure that that word is leaving your lips. That's how you meditate. It's leaving your lips. Maybe you're the only one listening, but it's leaving your lips. So it means to mutter. But then there was another word, and the word is Hagah. Hagah means to not only mutter, but to imagine, to devise, to plot. So on his law, he plots day and night. He He's devising ways to put it into motion day and night. It is on his mind, but eventually he's planning on getting it into his hands and his feet. I love that. Now, here's fascinating. If you go down to Psalm 2, why are the nations restless and the people's plotting in vain? The word's Hagah. Why are the peoples plotting against me, says God? Why are the nations devising plans against me? The kings, the rulers are conspiring together, taking a stand against me, says the Lord. He says, why is that? That's a great question. Let me just say, it's the same word. On his law, he Hagah, day and night, and the peoples are plotting against the Lord, or Hagah. Ah, y'all, think about this. You can plot for God or you can plot against him. You can imagine for him or you can imagine against him. You can devise for him or you can devise against him. You can mutter for him or you can mutter against him. All things being equal. If you want that flourishing life, do it for him. Now, a couple of things, a couple more things here I'm very excited about. Notice that there's a separation dynamic here. It starts off with separation. Blesses the man who does not walk in the council of wicked, stand away with sinners, sit in the seat of mockers. We are supposed to be separate from that. But be careful, friends. The way the wicked, the way that sinners, the way that scoffers are going to come to know Jesus Christ is most cases, most of the time, through personal relationships with disciples like you. So I don't think it's saying, and Jesus, as you remember, ate and dined and fellowshiped with the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. That's how they came to know him. That's how they came to be challenged by him. But he didn't walk in their counsel. He didn't stand in their path. He didn't sit in their seat. What he wanted to do was to woo them, to lead them to him through personal relationship. So be separate, but not that separate, if you know what I mean. 
but if you, it starts off with separation, but it also ends up, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's either separation in the beginning, or you'll have separation very definitely at the end. And you need to remember, at the final, final day, on the day of judgment, there's going to be separation. You want to make sure you're on the right side of that separation. So, incredible, incredible, incredible gateway to the rest of the Psalms. I highly recommend that you take these things seriously. Now, I uh, I felt so strongly about this Psalm. It's one of the first things that the Freedom and Family, wife and six kids, it's one of the first things we memorized together as a family. Everybody knows it today. It's no problem. If I were to start off uh, the first sentence, everyone in my family could easily just repeat it, no problem. It's that important. Some of you remember a gentleman named Soren Kierkegaard. He was a Danish philosopher, loved to write parables, loved to write stories. And one day, uh, he wrote about a story about a goose who was wounded and landed in a barnyard with some chickens. So he played with the chickens, ate with the chickens. After a while, the goose kind of thought, yeah, I'm a chicken. But one day a flight of geese came over, migrating to their home. They gave a honk up there in the sky, and, well, the goose heard it. And Kierkegaard said something stirred within the breast of that goose. Something called him upward, upward into the blue, upward into the skies. So he began to flap his wings that he had never used, not for a long while anyway. And he rose a few feet into the air. But then he stopped, and he settled back again into the mud of the barnyard. He heard the cry. He settled for less. Y'all, Psalm 1 is the cry, is the call. It's your life. And Psalm 1 is for you to be the blessed person, the righteous one with the flourishing life that rejects the light weight life, that delights in the law of the Lord, delights in a relationship with the Word that not only spends regular time in it, but regular time exporting it to the lost and the lonely and the needy and the poor people all around you. I'm going to be so very excited to hear reports about how you're doing that. All right, dear friends, it's a wrap. Been an honor to have you listening to the Life Changing Discipleship Program today with Matt Friedemann. Check out our Facebook page, Life Changing Discipleship, and remember to check me, Matt Friedemann, out on Twitter. Check out our books at Amazon.com. Just type in Matt Friedemann into the search engine there and see what's offered. And always, always tell others about our podcast. Remember this my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you, and I can assure you that I thank you for listening to the Life Changing Discipleship Podcast today. Love God live clean, keep the faith. God bless. Love you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon.